What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of the Daily Energy Newsbeat Stand-Up here on this gorgeous Monday, November 6, 2023. As always, I'm your humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, coming to you from an undisclosed location here in Dallas, Texas, joined by the executive producer of the show, the purveyor of the show, and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website, energynewsbeat.com, Stuart Turley. My man, how we doing today? Oh, I think it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's a crazy day out there, dude. It's a crazy day. It's been a long weekend. We're excited to be back with you guys, though. But nonetheless, we come to read you the news. First up on our show today, we're going to start with Warren Buffett. Berkshire cash pile hits all-time high record of $157 billion as Buffett sells a record $38 billion of stock in the last year. Holy smokes. Got an interesting tweet that we'll also cover. Uh, something could be up with Berkshire, but uh, we will uh, let leave the speculation to you. Next up, our favorite random guy on Substack, uh, David Blackman. He had a nice article in the Daily Caller titled, Do Big Win Project Cancellation Signal Peak Subsidy Has Been Reached? IEA, our favorite, um, which is the International Energy Administration, even admit the issue. Great article that was actually published in the Daily Caller. So we will we will cover that from David Blackman. Next up, 12 countries request permission to install small nuclear reactors in the EU. Oh, no. What are the second order magnitude effects? Interesting. Whoever wrote that title must be listening to the show because we love talking about uh, second order effects. Next up, EU chief sheds light on new sanctions against Russia. Yeah, like those will work. So we'll we'll see what they'll attempt to do. Uh, only make Russia more money. And then finally, we'll come back home. House panel advances draft of pro-nuclear bills. This is uh, Stu's wet dream right now. We've got, you know, modular reactors going on right now uh, in Europe. House is now um, advancing pro-nuclear. So Stu will keep us abreast on everything that's going on with the nuclear business. He'll then toss it over to me. I'll quickly cover um, what happened in the in, in the finance space, mainly kind of a recap of what happened last week. A lot of data, a lot of news coming out, specifically with the Fed's decision not to raise rates. We'll kind of break that down, what it means specifically for the oil and gas business. We saw prices now, you know, as, we, as we're wait, awaiting the market open here in about an hour as we record this on Sunday, prices sit at 80, 80 89 after closing at 80 51, which was down about two and a half percentage points. So Obviously, some of that data coming in on Friday, which we saw, did not play well. We'll look at rig counts. Not a great week for rig counts. And then there's a couple earnings that we might touch on. And then we'll let you guys get out of here and start your week. Hopefully, you don't have too many meetings on a Monday. But if not, we will keep you. We will keep it brief and we will keep you up to speed with everything. But guys, before we dive into all of that, remember, all of the news and analysis you are about to hear are brought to you by the world's greatest website, www.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all of your energy news. Stu and the team do a tremendous job of keeping this website up to speed with everything you need to know to be at the tip of the spear when it comes to the oil and gas and the energy business. You can uh, hit the description below and see all of the articles that we are about to reference in the show. You can see the timestamps if you just want to jump ahead and see what rig counts were um, and, and, and hear Stu's or hear Stu's take on the pro-nuclear bills. You can do that via the show notes. Again, the team does a great job of keeping that up to speed. Um, you can follow us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
and YouTube at Energy Newsbeat. That's really probably the best way to support the show. Go subscribe to us on YouTube there. We really appreciate all the support. You can email us questions at energynewsbeat.com. You can hit Stu and I up on LinkedIn. Again, all of that via the description below. We've Finally, we've got a little data news product dashboard on energynewsbeat.com. Go ahead and check that out. Give us some feedback on that via questions at energynewsbeat.com. Um, we're we're going to try to push that forward here, Q1 of uh, 2024. I mean, we're already looking forward to the new year. So it's uh, I'm already getting people, Stu, emailing me saying, oh, we'll worry about that next year. I'm like, next year? Folks, it's just now November. So we're going to stay locked in for you till the end of the year. I'm going to Brett, though, Stu, where do you want to begin? Hey, let's start with our buddies over there. Berkshire uh, cash pile hits an all-time high, $157 billion, uh, as Buffett sells a record $38 billion in stock last year. Dude, uh, I really want your opinions on some of these uh, points in here because people are looking at going to cash big time, but you snuck up with a beautiful piece of tidbit in here on, on Oxy. Uh, I love Oxy. I love the fact that uh, their investments, but Geico, their crown jewel of Berkshire's insurance empire, uh, had been his favorite child, and it has been it's been clobbered, Michael, by Progressive, and so they're now starting to build it back with 1.1 billion. The railroad now the railroad was also tied to the cancellation of the pipeline. You know, the the one out of Canada, because he was going to make money by hauling all the oil sands. So there's some there. The man knows what he's talking about. But let me give you a, a quote here. The, the effects of significant increase in home mortgage interest rates in the U.S. over the past year has slowed demand for our home building businesses and our other building product businesses, Berkshire said in report. We continue to anticipate certain businesses will experience weakening demand and declines in revenues. What are your overall thoughts of them going to cash? Well, I mean, how could you not be in cash right now? I mean, they're not really in cash. You have to remember, what's the split, Stu? It's 300 or it's uh, 30.8 billion of actual cash and 126.4 billion in T-bills, which is basically right. money market accounts. So you're yielding five, 6% right now. You'd be dumb not to. If you don't know what you want to put your money into, you'd be dumb not to just go open a money market account right now, which is basically what uh, Berkshire's doing when they're investing in T-bills. They're saying, we don't know where to put it, but the yields are so incredible because interest rates are so high. We might as well just, I mean, well, what's 5% of 126 billions do? That's not bad. Especially when, no. you know, and he's, it's not like he's got it in a Vanguard account, but Vanguard will, you know, or State Street, they'll drop you, you know, monthly distributions based on that. So yep. I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad. I think it's a wise decision when you don't know what to put your money to. And I think this has been a theme now for a few years now of this growing, growing cash pile. And I think people have over the years, they, they've tried to say, oh, well, this is why he's, he, he's, Building this cash pile, everyone's got their theories. You know, when, when he originally bought Oxy, going back and tying this into energy, people thought it was he was going to go, you know, he was going to go all in on energy. Well, he really right. hasn't yet. No. He, he, he provided a line of credit, probably because he smelled a good way to make money, smelled a way to get some preferred stock. Because remember, this was this was a huge preferred stock deal. It was about $10 billion of, of class AA stock, which is he was getting you know about $800 million a quarter on, or I don't know if it was a quarter a year. It was something ridiculous. I think it was $800 a year. I think it was $200 million a quarter, $800 mm -hmm. million a total. And he ended up uh, converting some of that into stock. And considering when that acquisition was made, which was right prior or... Uh, 
you know, when that acquisition was made, that stock value was much lower really than it's risen to right now. So he probably got a, or at least feels like he got to do, but that wasn't, you know, to bring back to my original points to he, that acquisition or that funding of Oxy and that acquisition wasn't his, you know, wasn't the first step of 97 moves to get into energy. He's really held back and this cash pile has continued to grow. And so I asked the question, what is he really saving up all this money for? You know, if right. we have the producer bring this up, there's a really interesting tidbit. We love Twitter. Aubrey triple underscore K noted, pull this picture up. Ooh, that's interesting for our podcast listeners here. What are we seeing? We're seeing a flight tracker here. Title of the, uh, or the headline goes, smells like an oxy acquisition. We got a, we got a route that goes from Houston to Omaha, back to Houston. Now the plane has then departed. Houston is in Odessa, right outside of Midland. Hmm. Oh, wonder mm, why. And it's yep. now on its way back to Odessa. So I love the title. Smells like an oxy acquisition. What do you think's going on here? Do you think this is? Do you think this is routine? What do you think? Is this smell like something to you, Stu? Well, uh, it does. And there's a lot of cash going in uh, as you know, when, when uh, now how much of it's going to go back into oxy? He's building up his little war chest. I think that he's actually gone into Oxy because he is one of the early adopters into investing into wind farms. They have exited a lot of that because of the tax subsidies and everything else. Well, carbon capture that Oxy is doing is one of the last areas that you're going to still see money being poured into. So the man's sharp. I I really think he's he's doing something. I think it's an acquisition, but we, yeah, you and I both I, I know there's a lot more acquisitions and M&A activity going on in the, in the oil market. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, it, it definitely could be a small acquisition. Do I, do I think it's a, it's, it's, it's a groundbreaking acquisition? I don't know. We might have heard something that, you know, this, this, uh, that screenshot was taken on November 2nd. So it's been a few days now. I think the answer to what Warren Buffett, and then we'll move on here, what he's doing is, is unfortunately not as sexy. I mean, my theory is, is it's not as sexy. I think he just sees a recession coming. He, he, in the next five to 10 years, or, you know, maybe it's now, but I think he sees an opportunity to basically obtain because you, you, you just covered it. His, his Geico share, you know, his, his, the crown jewel of his insurance empire, Geico. You talk about all of these units, Apple, you know, he's, he's big into fly, uh, flying J, you know, you know, seize candy. He takes an opportunity to acquire large shares of established companies during recessions. And what's the best thing to have during a recession? Cash. cash. My guess is they're making so much money on T-bills right now. There's no point to invest it until you see an opportunity to really buy quality as a discount. Not sexy, nice. but probably the smart move. Uh, and, you know, always follow what he does. So anyway. Absolutely. All right. What's next here? Favorite Let's random go. guy on Substack. Favorite guy. Let's go to David Blackman. Do wind project cancellations signal peak subsidy has been reached? Will the IEA even admit the issue? Michael, we just, we got to love the IEA. They're over there saying that oil's still dead. I've reached out to uh, them to try to jump on the leadership, to jump on the podcast and their advisors. So we'll keep you posted. But they David, agreed, but we got the time change switch. I mean, they're so bad, they couldn't even get the time change right. So we'll, we'll, we'll try. Yeah, we'll work on it. They never mind. Okay. When we sit back and take a look, Orsted, this is all predicated on Orsted down here in the, one of his paragraphs down here. He, uh, Orsted is not the only wind developer taking write downs. Uh, Reuters reports that uh, two big oil companies who have invested in Biden's offshore, the UK giant BP and uh, Norway's Equinor, 
took 540 and 300 million. So even oil companies can't do it right. But what oil companies had was they had income from the oil and the gas that Orsted did not have. And so Orsted's about ready to just totally, you know, get hit in the back of the head. They can't even uh, keep going. Now, there is article after article and in our trends on energynewsbeat.com. We are seeing lots of trends of people can't canceling uh everything i mean it's just they can't support uh oil i mean wind offshore wind especially yeah so, I mean, offshore wind is has the very has some of the same economics as what i would say large scale you know, you know i would say shale development exploratory shale development and the problem is there's not a legitimate market to somewhat to sometimes sell these you know, sell your distribution into the market. So it's pretty funny. It's the same stuff that happened in, in 2012 and in tw through 2014 with all these crazy right. shale companies taking up billions of dollars, making no money and investing billions of dollars into drilling new wells that, oops, maybe don't pay the bills. So uh, you're right. With, with Without oil and gas, Equinor and BP, they'd be sunk too. Luckily, they do have a little bit of oil and gas in their business. And and the percentage, Michael, that are in the story, go read the story as well later on, but they had the percentage. Without oil and gas, they'd be dead meat. So let's go to the next one. Uh, this is going to bring up about two or three more. Uh, 12 countries request permission to install small nuclear reactors in the EU. What are the second order of magnitude uh, effects? There's another article that we're going to talk about that helps describe some of that. That Okay, Michael, the EU, this is a bigger part of the second order is I think the EU is crumbling and the leadership is absolutely failing. Watch this list as we go through it in the future. They're going to be pulling out of the EU. Bulgaria, Croatia, the Czech Republic, Finland, France, Hungary, the Netherlands, Poland, Romania, uh, Slovakia, Slovenia, and Sweden, all of them are in the energy crisis area, and they are wanting small modular nu nuclear reactors. Uh, and the reason for this is, is they can't get it in. France has surpassed Sweden to become the largest exporter of electricity in Europe. Net export electricity for France is 17.6 terawatts. That's a lot. And their nuclear fleet is only running at 50% because they can't do any better. <laughs> Sounds like the politicians that we've got here made these rules. Uh, yeah, but the Swedes have de declared they're going to triple their nuclear capacity over the mm -hmm. next few decades. People do you cannot think, do you afford think this will run into the same capital and regulatory issues that we've had here in the United States, because that's really what's, in my opinion, what holds back nuclear from taking over is the fact that at least in the U.S., we have this insane regulatory system. Is, is that going to be the same in the EU that's going to hold this project back? No. And I'll tell you things because uh, if you want to get elected in the EU, and I was talking to Irina and a few other folks over there, and that is uh, if you want to get elected, you better get them power. And Germany's not getting them power. They're about to have some other folks in Bulgaria. And I've been uh, getting ready to tee up some more podcasts with folks in Germany. People are getting grumpy. And uh, they're tired of the bills. So, so is this uh, is this your official Turley 2024 uh, EU chancellor bid? 
Is that what I hear? Uh, I wouldn't want to go down on that rat ship. Uh, all the rats are going to be bailing out. The uh, UK was smart to do a Brexit. You're going to see, how do you say a Bulgaria Brexit? Uh, you know, you're going to have Crowbank exit. Boy, I could, you know, I can't say the countries anyway without throwing an exit on the back of them. Yeah, no kidding. Let's, All right, let's stick in the EU here. This is hilarious. Oh, it is. All right. Sanctions don't work as intended. Um, and, and you sit back and kind of go along. There are the package, Vonderland, uh, the, the head of the EU, the new batch of restrictions will include additional import and export bans to tighten the gas on Russian oil. That has failed. That has failed miserably. Uh, here's a quote in here from her, and she says, far too long, many uh, in Europe thought we could trade with Russia and integrate it into Europe's security order, but that has not worked. And it will not work as long as Russia's actions are driven by delusional dreams of empire, she stated, vowing that Brussels will continue to apply maximum pressure against Russia until the end of the aggression and until Ukraine has reestablished and just and lasting peace. Okay. Hungary said last month that that will veto any measures against the Russian nuclear. (laughs) Michael, remember on our podcast, we talked about it. The U.S. still buys 20% of our uranium from Russia. They all buy all of their stuff. Hungary and uh, several others have nuclear projects in the works right now with Russia. There is absolutely no way that if they do that, they're going to make Russia more money again. (laughs) Yeah, it's well here. What's funny is so the EU is just sanctioning themselves. That's the funny part, because China and India will continue to purchase, as you've mentioned. So they're just sanctioning themselves and forcing and driving up their own cost of energy. It's hilarious. You know, oh, yeah. Brussels will continue to screw the EU people. That's really what that quote uh, should say. Oh, yeah. But let me give you this quote from the Hungarian foreign minister, Peter. Uh, I don't even want to pronounce his name, but uh, the sanctions policy simply does not work. Sanctions may harm Russia, but they definitely cause greater harm to the European economy, to European countries. Uh, and sanctions would cause more harm to those who impose them to those than whom they are directed. Then what's the point of continuing with him? I got to hand it to him. He's, he's dead on right. And uh, politicians don't realize they won't get reelected. If they don't get their people some power here real quick. Yeah, so. no, it's it's pretty insane. All right. The House panel in the U.S., and, and to answer your, your question, I think you're going to have to see some regulatory stuff lighten up. It's been teed up. We've talked about it. But the House panel av- advances raft or draft of pro-nuclear, uh, I'll have to talk to the knucklehead that put that out there, of pro-nuclear bills. Jeff Duncan, Representative Jeff Duncan, uh, I've reached out to him to see if I can get him on the the panel to talk about this on the podcast. But there are some really cool ones that he's put out here. Let's get you a real big, quick quote in here. 
Our shared goal in this committee is to advance bipartisan, durable policy that will expand nuclear energy and its benefits to the nation. Uh, he's the chair of the ENC's Energy, Climate, and Grid Security Subcommittee. That's pretty darn cool. All right, let's go through some of these. The Advanced Reactor Free Reduction Act, fee reduction, so that the they can uh, reduce the hourly rate for the address collected by the NRC and applicants for advanced reactor licenses. Then you have the target awards to cover fees for the NRC, National Nuclear Reactor, and then we have the preparation site for the brownfield. There's some good stuff in here. Modernization of the Nuclear Reactor Environmental Reviews Act to submit a report and conduct rulemaking to facilitate efficiency. There's some good stuff in here. Yeah, the government inefficiency, though, that's two words that you just got to put the word not in front of them. It's the first stuff I've seen that they've even tried. It's a good point. Okay. I am so thrilled to talk about legislative processes that don't involve Trump or uh, Biden falling asleep or falling off of Air Force One. I was pretty did pleased. Did you see, uh, uh, just speaking of uh, falling down uh, some stairs, did you see our favorite governor is trying to imitate Biden. He fell down earlier last week. He fell down. Oh, he, he wasn't imitating. It was in solidarity. That was his Biden <laughs> solidarity move. He felt that his back was not lumpy enough, so he he just did the nose back dive off of them. So I gave him about is, a 10. So is there anything in here that pushes the regulatory process forward? Is there any one of these bills? Because uh, I'm, I'm going to have to go get copies in. of them. What's I'll up? go get copies of them and, and find That's out. That's the key. We've got 25 different things they announced. The first thing should have been, we're just going to cut the red tape on uh, permitting because that's really the issue, in my opinion, with all this stuff. Not that the technology doesn't need to, to advance. Obviously, we need the technology, but we have to understand that when, you know, if, if we can get licenses quicker, and that's specifically, you talk about that License Efficiency Act, that's hopefully going to solve it. The problem is there's a lot of other councils that have to go around it. So if hopefully there's enough meat on that Nuclear Licensing Efficiency Act, which, they, you know, they... What's, you know, not IR guy of the week here. What it, the IR guy of the week should have put that one up front. It's about seven down in this list of 18. So we need to, that should have been the first thing we talked about. But if there's no meat on that bone, then I give up because that's really critical. And I think in my, and in my opinion, where the, all of this legislation needs to start is literally getting the legislator out of the way. Right. I'll tell you. You know, when you sit back and take a look, that's what all of this is the thread, the underlying hidden thread between all these articles. People are tired. People are tired. And if you're an elected fish official, unless you're cheating, uh, people are getting grumpy and you're going to get voted out of office because of high cost of energy. Regulatory being redone is part of the high cost. And there's a few energy. in here. You've got the modernize the nuclear reactor environmental reviews, which speeds up the NEPA process, which, you know, if you come from the mining business or you come from large infrastructure, you know that NEPA, the National Environmental Policy Act, which is you know, one of the larger pieces of environmental legislation out there for good reason. It does a, it does some good stuff. The problem is, especially in the mining business, a NEPA review could be a thousand page document that you have to submit and could take five years. So I'm glad that's in there. Again, they're pitching this all wrong. They need to throw the legislation and the regulatory stuff 
higher, if only because that's where the, all of the issues come. Yes, we know we need to have this global oh. nuclear energy assessment and cooperation. Nobody cares about that. Cut the red let, tape. Let me ask this, okay? And I'm just asking, okay? The Inflation Reduction Act absolutely did not do that. In fact, as you've heard me say, the Dan Bongino, it's the Perculus bill. Do you think that they're learning that you quick look and you call it something else, throw them in here, and then that way they might get it passed? It's I don't even nothing. know. I don't know. I mean, how much of this will actually get passed? I don't know. It'll be interesting. Hopefully, we can create some bipartisan bipartisan consensus around this because we really need it. We do. And we all need uh, to get rid of energy poverty in the U.S. Absolutely. That's what we've been on. <laughs> Speaking of that, hey, I want to give a shout out to uh, Joanna uh, Friedelbing. 4109. She commented on Africa's response to the West self-serving energy policies with the Secretary General of the African Petroleum Producers uh, Organization. She says, great video. I love uh, that they want to have their citizens be in control and learn the skills need to take them out of poverty education. It's the only way. Sorry that there's been so much corruption in a continent that has so much in natural resources and only the few benefit. Love the comment. Thank you for, uh, that's just one of the great comments and things that we do get, Michael. Just wanted to give her a shout out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We appreciate everybody who interacts with us. Again, you can email the show questions, energynewsbeat.com, comment on any of our YouTube stuff um, or hit Stu and I up directly. Um, but let's go ahead and move over to finance, Stu. A lot happened, you know, from an oil and gas side. You know, we actually had, I mean, from a finance side specifically, we saw overall markets up. S&P was up about a percentage point. NASDAQ up about 1.2 percentage points, mainly on the back of a couple data points. One, we saw U.S. job growth slowed in October, considering um, the new unemployment data that we saw. And, and we also saw uh, wages continue to decline. One of my favorite quotes out of here, uh, if you just go to our favorite friends over at Reuters, they tell you that U.S. job growth slowed more than expected in October, according to official data, while wage inflation cooled, pointing to an easing in labor market conditions. I just love that sentence, Stu. First off, we got, you know, U.S. job growth slowed. Oh, so bad. People aren't getting jobs. That's not good. It's, or, you know, people aren't getting jobs. Yay, Reuters, you know, job growth slowed. Woohoo! Market's up. And then they talk about this is my new favorite. This is what this is what had this would happen at Sandstone, Stu. We're having wage and we're not having enough wage inflation. Wage inflation. Cool. That's wow. code for you're not getting a raise. I just I, this, no. is, this is why people get paid the big bucks over at Reuters to tell me to come up with new terms like wage inflation, a.k.a. you're not getting paid enough. <laughs> but okay. again, why does that matter? All of this matters because this bolsters the view that the Federal Reserve has that they don't need to raise interest rates, because what are U.S. interest rate rising designed to do? Well, it's designed to literally put the economy in a recession. And what does putting the, the economy into a recession mean? Raising, raising the unemployment, making you earn less. I'm not saying that because I dislike the Fed. I do dislike the Fed, but I'm saying that because that's actually what their literally mandate is instructed to do. So take that into account as job numbers and, and, and all of this new data rolls out. It's going to be kind of anti-correlated with what you think. More people getting jobs, that's not really good for the Fed raising rates because raising rates is designed to drive that unemployment rate higher and, you know, 
cool wage inflation. Sorry. So if you're expecting a raise this offseason, Jerome Powell is doing his best not to make it happen. And what does that mean on oil prices? Well, we saw a little bit of a drop yesterday or on Friday. We saw about a 1.25 or excuse me, about a 2.3 percentage point drop. Brent was only down about 1.28 percentage point. Uh, crude oil finishes 80.51. Uh, that's for the WTI index. Brent finishes 85.96, so still a little bit higher. Natural gas finished actually up about 1.2 percentage points, mainly off the back of some of some weather data. Again, as we move into um, um, what I would call draw season from the reserve, specifically in those Western reserves, you're going to see natural gas continue to move up. Um, I thought this was interesting, Stu. Rig counts again, or last week were slightly up to this week down seven to 168. Canada added no rigs. Internationally, we did add 22 rigs. We're still down 152 rigs from last year. But, you know, where's this? I don't know where this new production is coming from, Stu. It ain't coming from the U.S. They, we ain't drilling. We've been covered, you know, every week we cover these numbers. It's going down, down, down. You know, again, you know, I got asked this question this weekend, you know, oh, well, we're just always going to keep making more oil. I said, Theoretically, yes. The problem is if we keep dropping rigs, we're not going to produce more oil because nope. oil wells obviously decline over time. So it's going to be extremely fascinating in the next six months to see the fallout from what really is an, an insane drop in oil rigs over really what it's been this year and a half cycle. Obviously, right. we've come up from the bottom, but considering where we were at COVID, but it's still crazy to think about where oil prices were last year relative to where we are now and considering the rig difference. So it also goes to show you how slow capital investment follows oil prices. It's really lag because they're probably still unwinding some of their positions if we're shedding rigs from the turn, the downturn, uh, the downturn, the quote unquote happened at the beginning of the year. So Again, highly fascinating, very interested, um, and we will be following rig counts all the way. We had kind of a, a finishing up of earnings last week, Stu. Um, bunch of companies announced earnings. We saw Murphy announce um, their earnings. Baytex up in Canada, they announced their third quarter earnings and went ahead and confirmed another quarterly dividend. Um, Enter, you know, another Canadian company, Enterplus, um, they went ahead and pronounced um, another quarterly cash dividend um, and increased their production guidance for 2023. Ring Energy, um, they didn't unfortunately do anything. They just uh, announced results, which doesn't mean anything. Uh, Vital Energy off the back of a few really big M&A deals uh, had a really nice um, quarter. We love them. They're one of the most, you know, just a little shout out to, to, to I think it's called Vital Energy, Vital Energy. All I know is about two weeks ago, I saw them hiring about seven seven software engineer jobs. And I about fell out of my chair. Love that. Oil and gas hiring software engineers. You don't see that too publicly. You see a lot of it in the, and not in in-house engineers, not just, oh, we're going to bring in a consulting firm, build us a data warehouse. Oh, we're going to bring in a few consultants to manage this and, and maybe build us some, some cool front end no. applications. They're hiring developers in-house. Love that stuff, Stu. That gets my blood flowing. Um, love to have their... I, I, I don't know who their CIO is or CTO is, but we're going to have to get that guy on the podcast, too, because that's the stuff that I like. Oil and gas investing internally heavily in technology, because that's really where, in my opinion, five to 10 years from now, you're going to see the gains come from companies embracing technology. So uh, side tangent there, you can dive into all of these earnings at the world's greatest website, energynewsbeat.com. But let's go ahead and take a look and dive deeper into Pioneer's earnings, Stu. This will probably be the last time we get to see them. But um, wow. just, just you know, on, on the way out the door, Scott Sheffield goes ahead and drops third quarter oil production of 377,000 barrels of oil per day. And that's straight oil per day. Um, third quarter total production averaged about 721,000 um, BOE per day, which was near the top end of their quarterly guidance. Cat, free cash flow of 1.2 billion, uh, quarterly variable 
dividend of about $300 or $3.20 a share. And to give you an idea um, of their full 2023 guidance, um, they hit really all of the midpoints. So they've increased all of their midpoints for production on both oil and BOE. Um, they're kind of winding down their capital guidance. You know, they're, they're, they're starting to trim a little bit off their 2023 drilling completions and water infrastructure CapEx if only because now they're now they've got Exxon at charge. So they don't get to necessarily set their own CapEx budget. And they've actually lowered their 2020, which is interesting, Stu. You got a CapEx budget of 4.3 billion, but only 150 million is is more is spent specifically towards exploration, environmental, and other capital. So you can see the amount of development they see they need to do. Hey, we don't need to explore. We need to go develop that mass amount of acreage we have. And that's what Exxon's about to do. Really finishing with net debt of 4.8 billion is absolutely insane considering amount the amount of stock, uh, what their stock is worth relative to what Exxon paid for. 2.1 billion of liquidity, about 98 million cash on hand, about 2 billion of an unsecured, undrawn credit facility. So um, Exxon's going to be able to roll this up really nice. Average real life price was about $81 a barrel, so not horrible. You know, their effective tax, you know, I was like, look at this is stuff that I always find interesting. Effective tax rate was 22%. So yeah, someone's paying taxes here. You know, I always like to look at their uh, uh, BOE or their production costs, about $11 a barrel. You, you That number seems high, but when you, when you take into account, that's just on, that's on everything. That's not breaking into what I like to do, which is more of a variable versus fixed cost. Right. Because, you know, a lot of, some of your costs are fixed, electricity, chemical program, pumper costs, but you also have some variable spend. You know, obviously your, your water transportation is going to be variable, whether or not you're trucking, saltwater disposal, all that jazz. So, but I do like to look and, and kind of get a quick look, you know, $11 per BOE. It's kind of gives you guys an idea that an $81 um, average realized price, $11 um, cost of production, you know, there's a lot of profit in there. You know, they do sell a lot of NGLs, but you know, only again, only reason I dive into this a little deeper is this is probably the last time we'll be able to see Pioneer's assets specifically stripped out. You know, I'm sure Exxon over the next couple, you know, over the next probably two or three earnings reports will probably highlight what Pioneer's assets are doing specifically to help their infrastructure. But at some point, like now, you don't need, now they don't specify between XTO and Exxon. It's just all ex- Exxon and it eventually will happen um, with right. uh, uh, with the Pioneer's assets. So, uh, hey, Scott Sheffield riding off into the sunset. Oh, he did good, didn't he? He did. He did. He must must love himself some some Exxon stock, which is still confuses me. But, you know, maybe he's just maybe Exxon stocks the easiest is the easiest to get loans off of because he's just going to cash out. All, he's going to go take all of this. He's going to go sell all his stock to the bank. But uh, that's all I've got, Stu. Um, what should people be worried about coming up this week? Oh, just kind of hang on. Buckle up. Hug your dog. But how's, uh, how's everything? What, what's going on with the Israel, the, the, the war in Israel? Uh, I'm about to visit with Congressman Zach Nunn. He is taking this uh, on charge. I'm interviewing him tomorrow. We're going to try to uh, release this. He is really involved in the lead in what's going on. So I will really try to get that there. Um, Zelensky is now very, very jealous. There is a lot of rumblings that the U.S. is really saying to him they're going to back off and make a deal. You know, they say, uh, Zelensky, go make a deal. We're done. And then all of the other EU is done, and he's whining about uh, Israel. So I'm going to find out some more as I interview um, Congressman Zach Nunn. 
Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, that'll be a great podcast that comes out. A lot of great content that we're dropping. Um, so really exciting stuff. And again, guys, you you keep it here for all, you know, stay at the tip of the spear when it comes to all of your energy news. But we'll go ahead and let you guys get on out of here. Start your day. We appreciate you checking us out here on this Monday. Stay strong, guys. The meetings will end quickly and soon you'll be sitting down watching Monday Night Football. <laughs> but until then, guys, stay up to speed. For Stuart Turley, I'm Michael Tanner. We'll see you tomorrow, folks.